Welcome to another inspirational teaching from the Neighborhood Church. We pray that you be blessed by it. How's everyone? Oh, I think this is the last time I'm wearing this jacket. I think the winter is getting tight. It's like, it's like, it's like shrinking it. Am I good there? All right. Okay, not too annoying. Okay, good. Something is not dressed. For, uh, Charmini will fix me in a couple of minutes. So let's, um, everyone having a good morning? You don't look excited. Everyone having a good morning? You're all having a good morning. All right. Because um, I don't know, I've been having a good week because spring is finally here. All right, let's turn to our, um, I think I fixed it. Push it all the way in, now I fixed. Um, so now that everyone's settled and we're, we're ready for church and stuff like that, um, we're gonna turn to our video announcements, but if you are visiting us for the first time, I would like to say to you, welcome uh, to the Neighborhood Church. We are, um, we're a Bible-believing church. That's, that normally says it all, but um, we believe in the verbal inspiration of the Word of God. So if you are here for the first time, welcome to church. We have a, a gift to the Connection Center uh, for you. We would love to get to know you a little bit better. But if you are here and, you know, you've always been coming, I would like to say welcome to church again and give you a special uh, virtual hug. All right. <laughs> Who wants an actual hug? You got it? No. Just <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's always good, you know, um, I think we grow as a family when we do things together, and I am especially proud of any and every one of you who served when we had our winter carnival. Um, I, have, I have not seen that amount of people in our church in a long, like that was just amazing, and I think people came and they enjoyed themselves, and I think they, they experienced who we truly are as a church, and I think you all deserve a round of applause. I didn't tell you to be prideful and clap for yourselves. I said you deserved it, but, I, but, no, but you, can, you can clap. So anyone and everyone who volunteered, thank you for coming out. I came with my kids, and it was fun. It was, the only problem I think we have, there might have been a violation of the fire code because this place was packed. But everyone who came talked about how, how wonderful it was and how they thought it was special. I would especially like to thank the person who recommended marshmallows outside. That was heavenly, that was just divine. Just roasting that stuff and just eating it and my hands were sticky and I licked it. It was so good. But um, before we get all gross, so let's turn to our video announcements, please. Unfortunately, I'm not a sister, nor do I have a life. But for you who are sisters, and for you who desire to have lives, it is very important that you know on February 24th at 6 p.m., we have Sister Life running. Pastor Yasmin's doing an excellent job of leading this. We're looking forward to an excellent night once again. 
February 24th for those who are sisters and for those who desire to live lives. One of the most important aspects of the operational life of the church is the annual congregational meeting, where we look back on what happened in the past year and look forward to a new one. This year, we have a few constitutional amendments to deal with regarding our name and adoption of some constitutional changes made at the 2018 General Conference. These changes will be available in the meeting agenda in your mail file. We look forward to seeing you at the annual congregational meeting in the Pine House Sanctuary, 6 o'clock, Sunday, March 3rd. Yes, that's correct. We'll see you soon. Okay, goodbye now. Yeah, bye. Okay, bye. Oh, Pastor Ethan, how are you? Hey, Pastor Joel, I just wanted to confirm with you about our youth drop-in starting on March 6th from 3.30 to 5 o'clock. March 6th at 3.30 to 5 o'clock? Yeah. I just want to double check that. Okay. Yes, March 6th at 3 o'clock. No, 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 it's March 6th, 3.30 to 5 o'clock. March 6th, 3.30 to 5 o'clock? Yeah, no, to 5 to five. To five. To five. It's March 6th, 3.30 to 5 o'clock for grades 6 to 12. Six and a half hours later. Wednesday. Wednesday. March. This, this, this is 6. At 3... 30. 3.30. There we so, go. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll just enter it in. Okay. And, um... Well, I'll see you there. I'm really excited for it. Me too. It's going to be awesome. But Games, hangout time, study space. It's going to be good. March 6th, 3.30 to 5 o'clock. Perfect, perfect. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about is before that, our um, youth merge night. Do you want to take a promo, look at a promo that I'm working on? Yeah, I would love to see it. Let's, yeah, let's yeah for sure. For sure. Okay. And one last reminder, we're meeting at Smiley's for our uh, after-service luncheon. Ethan and Joel actually scare me. <laughs> oh man, um, uh, this, should come, this, this should come as no surprise to you. We are still in the book of Romans. Um, we are looking at Romans 12 and um, a major emphasis of mine today is to look at verses 
from Romans 12, verses 12 and 13. But I don't think we can do that properly without re-engaging verses 1 and 2. Um, and so, we wanna, I'm going to take you back a little bit and I want to show you something. So, given that the gospel demonstrates the righteousness of God, which was according to verse 1, 16, and 17, and given that God demonstrates his righteousness through the sacrificial obedience of Christ, and given that we find peace with God and are justified by faith in God, given that there is no excuse to sin, according to verse, one, verse 6, 1 and 2, and given that God has not abandoned Israel, given that all of these things here, we jump to verse 12. We jump to 12, and what Paul has done for the first 11 chapters is he has set something up, and he said, because of all of this thing here, we see the word, then we see the word, therefore. Uh, as you know, Pastor John has this thing. He says, when you see therefore, you ask what? You ask, what is it there for? So, because of all of those things, Paul then urges us. He says, therefore, I urge you. This, by the way, this monitor is dead. If anyone could, like, hit it, kick it, slap it, do anything to get it going, this monitor here. Or if not, just roll it aside and I will preach. I'll be good. You didn't kick it. Kick it. Didn't work. Push it in. <laughs> All right. So given these things, Paul turns to... I'll be okay, Pastor Michael. We should be okay. Uh, Paul then starts by saying, he, by giving us some instructions. And he says, uh, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters... Do you remember the time where we were called brothers and sisters? Wasn't that a fun time in church? I don't think we, we don't do it the way we used to. We call people by Tammy and, you know, like it's, a, it's, a different, it's a different relationship if I said Sister Tammy, right? Because it means there's some relationship there. Uh, it's one of the things I think we probably need to go back to, but I understand why things have changed. Um, but Paul tells us, he says, he, he urges us, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And then he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. He goes on to say in verse 9, he says, love must be sincere. I like this verse. He says, love must be sincere. It means that there are some kinds of love it's not sincere. He says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devout to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. 
Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be, be joyful in hope and patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. So what Paul has done, he says, because of all of these things, because of the mercies of God, because of what I've explained to you in chapters 1 through 11, I would like for you to renew your mind. He says, I don't want you to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And then he gives us this thing. And again, we will, we will look at the issue of the, the, the mind and the transformation of the mind, but we will also, because of that, we will look at the issue of practiced hospitality. We will look at sharing with the Lord's people who are in need. And I have a couple of translations for verse 13. It says, help needy Christians be inventive in hospitality. I like that word, inventive. The ISV says, supply the needs of the saints and extend hospitality to strangers. Now, this one's going to trip us up a little bit. That part there that says, extend hospitality to strangers, that is going to trip us up a little bit, but we will, we will navigate that, won't we, as a church? Amen? Amen. I know you're asking, what is he talking about? What am I talking about? Let's jump ahead. So, there's a battle for the mind that's going on. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, people are occupied. Um, we see young people, if you take young people's phones away from them, they go into like remission or like you got to like uh, give them IV solution, put them in a bed and like get their hearts going and because it's, it's traumatic. Right, Charmini, if I took, if I took Charmini's phone, Charmini would be like, I, I don't know what to do. Do I call? How do I know if someone likes my face? And, and so, and I've, I've seen people actually post uh, controversial things on Facebook just to get the likes or just to get things going. But we live in a world where there's a, there's a fight for our attention that, and, it, and it preoccupies us. Even the news, if you, if you go to the news, I spend a couple hours every day reading the news um, and you'll see things like there's a clash between, uh, breaking out between at the Venezuelan border. You will see people talking about love and exercise and this guy is saying how could we love go back just go back one for me uh you see this guy saying how could we talk how to talk to your partner about sex those are two guys standing here by the way uh you look up and you will talk about health stuff and you, you know how, can you trick your smartphone into getting good habits and all of these things are consuming you right you have the news media that's feeding you information how many of you listen to the news how many of you are on Facebook? Pastor Michael, you should put both. I'm just kidding. <laughs> People are on Twitter. You're on fa we were on Facebook. We're listening to the news. We're reading blogs. We're reading uh, commentaries from political commentators. And so all of these things, they're fighting for attention. But more than the fact that it's fighting for attention, it's feeding us. Right? That's why we call our... If you ever go to uh, Google it, uh, or you go to get your phone out, it will ask you, here's your news feed. You ever see the word news feed? That's what we're going to feed you, this amount of news today. So they're going to tell you what's going on in Syria, what's going on in Afghanistan, 
And based on your political spectrum, you will find news either appealing or not appealing. You'll find news that appeals to you if you're a conservative, and then there's some news that appeals to you if you're a liberal, and then there's news if you're an NDP, and if you're with the Green Party, there's some environmental stuff. Uh, if you are a foodie, there's some news on a new type of diet. Um, there's news on intermittent fasting and the benefits of intermittent fasting. These are all the stuff that I've been seeing in my news feed recently. And this is why Paul is exhorting us. He's saying, hey, before you do all of these things that I'm going to tell you to do, you first need to transform your mind. If you jump to the next slide for me, I want to show you something. Paul sets it out and he says, he says, be not conformed to this world, but be he transformed by renewing your mind. So the first point that I want to show you from the scripture is the idea that one of the translations in terms of uh, conforming it, this is how it, they put it. They said, don't be so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. You know, it's, called, it's called group thinking, right? Don't be so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without thinking. We live in a certain, we're facing certain cultural pressures, right? There's a pressure, there are pressures of human rights, women's rights, men's rights, uh, kids don't have rights. Um, no, we, we murder them in the womb. We don't give them rights. We have, we have all these rights, right? Like environmental rights, you can't, um, there are more, there are more shelters for dogs in the United States than there are shelters for abused women. As a matter of fact, you will serve more term in prison for killing a dog than you will serve for killing a child. You will serve, you will serve less time in prison. People will serve less time, not you. Cute. Father in Jesus' name, none of, my, none, none of the members of this church will serve time in prison. Say amen, quick. Amen, all right. <laughs> um, society will, will extend more prison time to someone who is caught under the influence of an illicit drug and distributing that drug than a person who rapes a woman. Isn't that weird? That is weird. I'm running a country that's a life sentence. You're never seeing the light of day again. You will spend more t you probably will spend equal time in prison for raping a child the same time as if you had animals and you abused them and killed them. You spend equal time in prison. You will get bail for indictable offenses, and some of the offenses that you probably shouldn't get bail for, you'll be like, ah get off quite easily. Something is wrong with the culture of the world. How do I know something is wrong with the culture of the world? When you examine the amount of people killed and the reason people give for killing them. When a 12-year-old can walk into a high school with a weapon 
and slaughter their fellow citizens. Something is wrong with the culture of the world. And so Paul steps out and he says, don't become so well adjusted to this world that you fit in without even thinking. Group, group thoughts. So, so there was an experiment done years ago, um, I think it was Stanford University, where they gave students the opportunity as uh, wardens, and they took some of the other students and they made them prisoners. So it had like this scenario that they played out. So they took some of the students and said, we're going to do this experiment. And they put the students in prison, and then they made some of them wardens. And they set this experiment out. And after a week or so, the wardens began to abuse the power that they had. Forgetting that it was an experiment, and that was their fellow citizens, fellow colleagues, fellow classmates. So they did things like they would torture them, or they would abuse them. And the people were shocked at the results because they were saying, but this is, an ex this is like play. You know, we're, this is me pretending to be something and you pretending to be something else. And so they realized in all of us there's an innate desire to do evil. There's an innate desire. The, the, the fallen man is predisposed to sin. Predisposed to sin. And so Paul says, hey, don't, don't get so well adjusted that you look like the world and you talk like the world and you smell like the world and we can't distinguish you. And it's not just that you are doing these things, but you're doing it, you're not even thinking about it. And so the word of God is what helps us. This is, this is, the, this is what washes us, purifies us, changes us, makes us different. Because the more you read this, the more you are transformed. I'll show you. I have a friend. When I, when I first came to Canada, <laughs> I wanted to fit in. So I'd say, A. And I started seeing it because I learned from the guys in the class. They would say, man, you know, this weather is so cold, eh? I'm like, how did they use A there? I've got to find a way to fit the word, but I would, I would use the word wrong, right? Because back home, we say, hey, hey, man, what's going on, right? Hey, what's going on, buddy? As opposed to, what's going on, buddy, eh? I'm like, oh, how do I put this word? So after a while, I realized that I was sounding just like my peers. I'm like, hmm, it's interesting. But the more that I, I, I started associating with my friends, it's the more natural the disposition became, right? I didn't need to think about it. I would speak like a Canadian, whatever, whatever that is. I would speak like a Canadian without knowing it. I became, I, I, I began to be conformed to the, the, the group thought, right? The group behavior. Um, if you hang out in a group that, you've ever, have you ever seen the people who exercise a lot, they're like fanatical about it? If you hang out with them, you start doing stuff with them, right? You start drinking green stuff, blended green stuff. Um, <laughs> you start pleading the blood of Jesus on rice and all carbs. Uh, you <laughs> so you start, you, you, you get into the habit, right? You're always stretching. You get on the bus stop, you're like, you're always stretching, right? Like you, you get into that habit or if you, if you hang out with... Um, 
you hang out long enough with teenagers, you start saying like, and you start Snapchatting, you, you're Snapchatting, and you know, your clothes change, you wear tighter pants, you can't even move your legs properly. You're like, you're, it's different, right? Like you, you change, you become transformed, and nothing is wrong with some of the things, but Paul is saying, don't become so well adjusted to the culture that you fit in without thinking, because whatever feeds you is what you will become. So if you feed yourself, so for, as an example, if you, for those of us, those of you who went to school, if you feed yourself and you're in school and you're doing medicine, if you're reading books on medical devices and medical science, you're going to start thinking like that, right? Like you, it, it changes the way you, you think. So Paul is saying, don't be confirmed, but focus on God's word. I want to go to the second point. And I want to talk about the socialization of the, cap the caterpillar. Because what, what Paul is saying, it sounds really sophisticated, it really isn't. I made the words up while I was outside there. They've actually typed it for me. The socialization of the caterpillar. The problem is, Paul is saying, I don't want you to just be, I don't want you to conform to this world. But he didn't just end it there. He says, I want you to be transformed. Like a caterpillar, right? I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I want you to be transformed. And one of the, the challenges with transformation is when the, when the caterpillar becomes the butterfly, the caterpillar will fly away, right? Like he moves on. But if the butterfly does not go back and socialize with caterpillars. It can't. It has wings. It's, it's at a different level. It's thinking differently. It wants to see the world. Do not allow yourselves as you evolve in God as you are transformed in God don't go back to the caterpillar but sometimes we have to go back right because Tammy starts school and she starts learning about let's say she starts doing medicine right and she comes home and she's like lecturing you about what you should and shouldn't eat and you're like, what sort of nonsense is this? You're like, you're getting upset. But she keeps doing it, she's doing it, and then she's doing it with, you know, <laughs> she's doing it with the kids, and then, you know, everyone visits. I go and I visit, and she's trying to do the same thing with me. And then eventually she gets frustrated, right? She's like, people don't want to hear about vaccines and stuff like that. So now she, become, she begins to socialize with us. She, come, she brings her level down. You will never see eagles associating themselves with chickens. Not unless they're hungry. Socialization of the caterpillar. So the failure to transform oftentimes frustrates us. Because when you, when you have wings, you don't want to be on the ground. You want to be up in the air. You want to be up there soaring. And so Paul is saying to you, don't move from the ground now that you're different, now that you think different, now you act different. Now you will, I, I want you to now socialize at a different level. Don't, it doesn't, he's not telling you to forget your friends. He is saying your, your thinking should evolve. You don't need to be stimulated by junk anymore. You could be stimulated by other things, Christian things, biblical things. Next point, because I am running out of time. 
Transformation is always an internal process. It's an internal process with an external manifestation. It's an internal process with an external manifestation. So people can't see you changing, bro. Remember when you were young and you were just married? There are things then that you would argue about. You'd be like, ah, you don't argue about anymore. I don't argue about certain things anymore because I, I've learned to be mature. It was that and I was shouted at. <laughs> so <laughs> I learned my lesson. It's an internal process. It has to begin on the inside. You see, the thing is that when we come to church, we learn the church lingo, right? We learn the dress of the church. We, know how to, we learn how to dress as a Christian, right? We learn how to wave our hands. We, learn to, we know how to do the, when the Holy Spirit comes, we do the, you know, we, we learn all of these things that are not, we, it's not as if God was doing it, but we saw someone doing it and we go, I could do that. It wasn't a, a, an internal thing that caused an outward manifestation. We learned the lingo. How are you today, Pastor Michael? I am blessed. We learn, we learn how to say I am blessed or I am good or I am highly favored. We learn all the lingo of church. And we can learn all of those things and not change on the inside. You see, the inside is what Paul is saying. I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's a, it's an in, this transformation is an internal thing. That's why Jesus looked at the scribes and the Pharisees and he said, Woe unto you. You are like, and he described them as whitewashed sepulchres. Nice tombs, nicely covered, but the inside is filled with dead men's bones. It is better for us as children of God to change from the inside outward. Because when we change that way, nothing affects us. The, the manifestation is real. It's not, it's not something that is not genuine. The next point is that for you to do this, it requires focus, right? It says... Instead, fix your attention on God. Fix your attention on God. And that's how we do it, because we have to be, we have to have that singular mindset. Singular mindset. I was, um, I was stupid enough to walk. Remember that, remember that two weeks snap where it was like brutally cold? I was stupid enough to think that I could walk in that weather to work. So I, I got up. I got my parka, I got dressed, I got all my stuff, I got my toque, got my gloves. I was like, I don't want to wear like winter boots because it's, it looks clumsy, right? And then I got to put my boots in my bag, you know, put on the regular, so get, get on the bus, and then the bus stops at the 108th and I have to walk for like 10 minutes. Those 10 minutes turned into like a half an hour, man. Like I'm walking and the wind's hitting my face. I'm like, it's, I got, like when I got in the, the building, I, I felt like I was going to die. But what saved me was that as I was walking, I could look ahead and I could see the building that I was going to, right? So I'm focused. I'm like, okay, okay, you're getting closer. I forgot everything that was wrong. I walked across the road. I, didn't, I was not worrying about traffic coming left or right. I just knew that I needed to get into that building. It was the only way for my toes to deep to, to thaw and turn to like real color instead of purple i could see my fingers getting all changing color and i'm like but i'm black i don't change color so i'm walking to this thing 
and I am like super cold. I get into this building and my face, like all the moisture is gone. I'm like, whoa. So I got to get some cream. I got to try to look good. And like I'm shaking. I got my clothes off. Take out my socks and I rub my toes. And they're like, okay, they're still here. And, but it was the focus on my destination that allowed me to proceed. Give it time. Transformation will take time. So give it time. And don't rush it. Don't feel bad when... People can pray for two hours and you can only pray for 10 minutes. Don't feel bad. Give it time. Allow yourselves to grow. Allow yourselves to mature in God. Don't beat up yourselves when you make mistakes because transformation is a process. Give it time. And I know the world condemns us because we don't grow the way the world, not even the world, the church condemns us because we don't grow the way the church people expect us to grow, the religious leaders. They expect us to come into church on Monday and by Tuesday we should be in Bible study and by Friday we should be teaching the scriptures and by Thursday we should have a complete understanding of the book of Romans. It doesn't work that way. That's why we're still in Romans. <laughs> we're growing Give it time, and when you give yourself time as a child of God, you will give yourself the grace that you deserve. So when you make those little mistakes, those besetting sins, don't, don't feel bad and give up the race because you made those mistakes. Give it time, and God will do his good and perfect work in you because you are allowing him to transform you. Somewhere or nowhere. I learned this a while ago. You will go where you're thinking. Always. You will go where you're thinking. If you're pursuing a business opportunity and you're thinking about, okay, what do I need? Like if you're always thinking about it, that's where you'll go. You will go where you're thinking. So if you are thinking about the kingdom of God and his principles and what he has in store for you, that's where you'll go. I want to jump to the issue of hospitality here. And Paul sets it out. He says, help needy Christians be inventive in hospitality. Supply the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. And one of the things that I learned is that love must be sincere first point is love must be sincere if you want to live a generous life. Has anyone ever given you something and then talked about it af after they've given to you? You're like you were broke, you'd had some, you needed some money to buy something and you asked a friend and they gave you the money and then next week you went back to work and your friend told his friend and then his friend told another friend and then it became publicly known that you borrowed money or you needed help or you needed something. People talked. When love is genuine, you will not hear it again. Love must be sincere. It must be genuine for generosity to be sincere and genuine. So I will not invite you to my home because I was told by the pastor to invite new people to my home. I will invite you to my home because I want to get to know you a little bit better. I will shake your hand and say, how are you today? Give me a good hand shake there, brother. Give me a, how are you today? 
and I will say it genuinely because I want to mean it genuinely. It's coming from a sincere place. I'm not asking you, how are things at work? Because I was told by the pastor of the church, make sure you ask people how they're doing because it looks good as a pastor. <laughs> Anyone who knows me knows me that I don't do those type of things. Yeah. I don't, I, I'm not, I, I, I can't deal with the, the fluff. It has to be sincere. And we do it because of the mercies of God. Because God extended his mercy towards us. That's why we extend mercy towards others. The last point that I want to make is concerning goat. Anyone, anyone knows the story of the goat and the sheep? Goat or sheep? And so the story of told this person goes to heaven they ask God, they say to God, oh, well, God says to them, he says, I was, I was thirsty, I was hungry first, and you gave me something to eat, I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink, I was a stranger, and you took me, and I was naked, and you clothed me, I was sick, and you looked after me, I was in prison, and you visited me, and the Bible says, then the righteous will say, when did we do those things? When did we do those things? And God would say, well, because you did it to the least of these, you would have done it unto me. I believe, as a child of God, that the world will answer God for the killing of the unborn. But the same condemnation that God will mete out to individuals who will support the killing of an innocent baby is the same condemnation that he will mete out to those who allowed the stranger to go hungry and thirsty and naked and sick and left alone in a prison. The same condemnation. This is how he says it. Whatever you did not do for the least of these, including abortion. See, I, I am, I, that's my word added. That's the, the Wayne, Wayne Noble uh, edition. I added abortion because if, it's the least, it's the most vulnerable. He's saying if you did, if you did it to the least of these, you've, did, you've done it to me. And if you didn't do it to the least of these, you didn't do it to me. And then he will say, depart from me, for I never knew you. We get caught up in the issue of hospitality because we have allowed our minds to be transformed or we have allowed our mind to be conformed to the culture of the day. So we became liberal and conservative and NDP and environmentalist and realist and otherist and this, 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 this. We became all of those things without allowing the mind of God to overshadow that. It's a tough scripture, right? It's a tough scripture because I looked at it last night and I said, that's a tough scripture. 
says, I have my thoughts on refugees, but have I allowed my thoughts to be filtered by the word of God? Did I allow the mind of God to transform me, to change me? Did he inspect me to determine before I determine what I should think about X and Y and A and B? And until we get there, our love for God will never be sincere. Hard scripture, I know. Tough times because we live in times where those are really hot-button topics. I am not here to tell you how to respond to it. I am here to tell you that God says that we should allow our minds to be transformed, to be renewed by Him. And when our mind is transformed and renewed in Christ, then our opinion on those hot-button topics becomes a little different. Someone said to me once, we were talking about some controversies, and I said to him, I said, um, I said, your response is troubling because in response to a woman being hurt, you quoted me scripture instead of saying, I feel so sorry for her. You quoted me a scripture that fits your ideology or your mindset to support your point but you couldn't see that someone was hurt. The moment we move away from God and his word, we will allow ourselves to fit into a culture so seamlessly that we would not have even thought about it. I've held those beliefs in my life. I grew up thinking there were people who were less than me. White people. I was like, white people have to be inferior to me. Just kidding. I was supposed to make you laugh. I grew up thinking that there were, because I attended this really good high school, I thought that there were kids that were less than me. They couldn't speak to me, couldn't give me counsel, because I attended the top high school in my country. And God has a way of breaking you down and bringing you to a place, because you will learn from everyone. You will learn from everyone. And so I teach my kids now that if you're ever in trouble, you find an older person who looks like a mother. If ever, if ever you're lost, find a mother. Because when I was young and I thought I had it all going on and I, I visited a country once and I didn't know where to go, it was an old woman with a cane who grabbed my hand and slowly walked me down the road to my destination. I thought I'd figured it out because I studied the map. And an old woman led my hands and taught me something. What I'm telling you today is some of the harsh experiences that I have learned in life. I've had people look down on me. I actually pity them because they don't know me. Because if you know me, you'd know I'm a fun dude. We live in a world where people will look down on you based on the color of your skin, color of your hair. I learned that when I came to Canada, the blondes were supposed to be stupid. And I was like, but I have a lot of friends who are blondes, and they're not stupid. I learned that 
When I came to Canada, that people liked you and you were tall and dark and handsome. And because I fit none of those descriptions, I had to learn to love myself. I learned in a world like I learned back home that people can be jerks. And they'll treat you bad. And they will try to bring you down to the level of the caterpillar. But my prayer for each and every one of you today is that you will soar like the butterfly. Get above it. Get above the thinking and the thoughts that dominates the world. While everyone is fighting for scraps, you go for the big picture and the big goal. Because you are transformed by renewing your mind. Will you stand with us? I hope you had a good time in church today. I know some of these scriptures are tricky, particularly when we talk about strangers and our response as Christians to strangers, to the vulnerable. But I pray that God will bless you this week, that he will cause his face and his light and his presence to shine on you. May God answer every prayer that you raise before him and give you peace and comfort. And I declare in each and every one of you that you leave this place as overcomers, more than conquerors. God, you would transform us by renewing our minds so that we would be like you, that our love would be sincere, that our hospitality would be sincere. In the name of your son, Jesus, amen. If our church, let's go be the church. We know you enjoyed this teaching from the Neighborhood Church from our Pine House location here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. To touch base with us from anywhere in the world that you're listening, or maybe you're just at the gym or in your car, you can text the word Pine House to 306-800-5296. There you can fill out our digital connect card. Or if you want to give it a distance, or maybe you've been working weekends or just can't make it to the city, text the initials TNC to 705 705- 230-8977. Through that little portal, you can give or tithe or even give to missions. For any more information about the Neighborhood Church, you can check us out online at theneighborhoodchurch.org. God bless you and have a great week.